Love on the Run Week on the Alley on the Run Show is brought to you by Generation You Can. Go to generationyoucan.com and use code on the run for 20% off your order and free shipping. Welcome to the Alley on the Run Show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and I love love. People make fun of Valentine's Day. They say it's cheesy, it's a Hallmark holiday, it's all pink and glitter and chocolates, and yeah, exactly. What's not to love about all of that? Valentine's Day is my favorite holiday. I love celebrating love of all kinds, and that's what we're celebrating all week here on the Alley on the Run Show. This is Love on the Run Week. We've got five episodes on tap, taking us right up to Valentine's Day at the end of the week. And this week has an all-star lineup of professional running couples talking about their relationships, their love stories, and uh, whether or not they still like each other when they're six miles into an eight-mile tempo run. It's light, it's fun, it's relatable. We're kicking off the series today with Aisha Pratt and Will Lear. Aisha and Will live and train in Boulder, Colorado. Aisha was actually on the show recently. We referenced that episode a bunch of times here. So if you haven't listened to it yet, Aisha was on episode 197, the first episode of 2020. Aisha is a professional middle distance runner for Under Armour, and she trains alongside Emma Coburn under the direction of Emma's husband, Joe Bosshard. And Will is also a middle distance runner whose professional resume includes a 351 mile. That's three minutes and 51 seconds to run a mile. I drive slower than that. Aisha and Will told me that nothing was off limits for this conversation and they were so open and so honest and I love their relationship. They adore each other and I adore them. So let's kick off Love on the Run Week with Aisha Pratt and Will Lear. Aisha and Will, so excited to have you here as part of this series. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Alley on the Run show. Hi, Allie and everybody else. Hello, everyone. It's the Lears. It's it's the Lears. Okay, we're going to have fun. We were saying before we started recording, Aisha, you're a pro. You were just on the show very recently. Will, you're going to be a pro by the end of this conversation. I'm feeling really yeah, good just, about it. I'm just over here earning my stripes. We should pay them. Ooh, I love that, but like gently, not in a way that would get us in trouble. But oh, um, no, 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 just always gentle hazing. <laughs> gentle hazing. All right. Well, before we do that, I'll I'll brainstorm throughout the conversation ways we can do that by the end. But first, we start every episode of the Alley on the Run show with a nice gentle warm up, right? Just like a good run. So for our warm up here, you're both just going to tell me how you met and was it love at first sight? And you know what, Will. We'll let you start because Aisha kind of shared this story when she was on. So, Will, you're going to warm us up. How'd you two meet? Was it love at first sight? Well, you know, I guess that I'm happy to answer that question first because I think my perception of how our relationship started was a lot more romantic. (laughs) Um, We met in the summer of 2012 in the quaint little town of Leuven, Belgium, where a bunch of American runners base when they're doing overseas races. Um, and I just remember sort of walking into this room wherein it was a bunch of people that I've known and run with over the years. And then there was this like smoking hottie who I'd never seen before. And she in- immediately caught my eye. And we just kind of started hanging out socially um, with the whole group of everyone that was there. And uh, our first date, I cooked her dinner because I felt like that was the only way that we could be in a scenario where we wouldn't get walked past by like 400 different runners and they would all, you know, like hoot and holler and make cat calls at us and stuff. And so it was a nice private affair. And after that, I was like, "Will, you got to play this one cool because she's pretty awesome. And at the end of the summer, I thought that we were dating, but I guess I was maybe a little presumptuous. Um, <laughs> Because Aisha didn't exactly have the same label of our relationship at the time, but she, I was a very, I was good at uh, convincing her that it was a good idea, and so I think that we met in July, yeah, and then by November, I had a conversation with my brother about 
you know, what does it take to buy a wedding ring? Aww. And my brother, who had been in a relationship for a couple of years at this point, was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to slow down. <laughs> and uh, I heeded his advice. I took a couple more years. and But I, I sort of had the feeling very early on after a couple of months. I'd say that, you know, between July and November, I'd call that as close to love at first sight as I could possibly ever hope for. Oh, that is so sweet. And I do feel like that's like a slightly, yeah, more like heart-eyed version of Aisha's side of the story, which was also <laughs> very sweet. Um, but Aisha, yeah, what's the deal? Why did you not think that you were officially boyfriend and girlfriend? I mean, I don't know. I liked him. He was super cute. But I was just, I just graduated from college. I was moving to Eugene. I didn't want to be necessarily Will's girlfriend when I got there. I just wanted my own sort of identity. Um, she also heard that University of Oregon was like the ASU for hot guys. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Oh, my gosh. No, I don't know. I just thought, you know, we were having like a summer fling. Like, I didn't see that it was going to be like a sustainable thing. We weren't going to live in the same place. I was just... Uh, you know, I was interested, but I didn't really, okay. Also interesting to add in my defense, we are not good communicators when we're not together. And I remember distinctly being at Falmouth after the summer and not wanting to be the annoying lady who's keeps reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. So I was kind of like playing hard to get a little bit and he never would text me at all like we didn't we just it was a standoff and so I thought like yeah that's not that big of a deal but then I realized it was later and meanwhile yeah. he's like finding out what it takes to buy a wedding ring so yeah. yeah he told me that after we got married and he asked me what I would have done and I honestly don't know like that I'm I would have been stunned I would have been totally stunned so when did the eventual proposal come it was Christmas Day in 2015. Um, it was a total surprise to me. We had, in October, we had designed a ring together. I studied geology in, in college, and uh, he wasn't uh, confident in picking out a ring because I always say, and I'm happy for everyone who has a diamond ring, but diamonds are a social construct. So he wanted my input on a ring uh, because he knew that I would be um, critical, which is a I good thing. I intelligently sought <laughs> consult from a <laughs> yeah. professional. Yeah. So we had designed a ring together in October, um, which was great. And then I kind of forgot about it. And I had gotten surgery on December 15th of 2015 on my Achilles area. And we were back at his parents' place in Minneapolis. And I'm pretty perceptive. So he wouldn't have been able to surprise me in any way other than I had just woken up. I hopped on one leg into the bathroom, put on my bathrobe and got on my crutches. And I walked out of the bathroom on my crutches with my retainer in and Will was on one knee, but he was also wearing a gigantic bathrobe. This is Minneapolis, so it's winter. You need all the warmth you can get. And I was super confused. I thought he was looking for something under the bed or I had no idea why he was on the ground because I couldn't exactly see under the terry, cl terry cloth bathroom that he was on one knee. And he starts into this monologue that I've never seen him more nervous in his entire life. And I don't remember really anything that he said because as it was coming out, I was realizing what was happening and then it was shocking to me. Um, and I was just so excited. But I remember him saying, you're my best friend. Will you marry me? And I said, yes, of course. And it was so sweet that we, um, I transitioned then from my crutches to my rolling knee scooter that had a an ornament on the front of it because I was in the Christmas spirit. And just the two of us coming out Christmas morning to tell the family it, we didn't have to say anything. They totally knew just by the look on our faces. And it was awesome. We got to celebrate 
the entire day, Christmas Day, with all the Lears. Um, it was really special. Yeah, the the most well, so Aisha said that she sort of forgot about it, except there was a point in time, maybe this might have been around Thanksgiving, where I hadn't asked her yet. And she said, you know, well, we designed this ring. If you propose to me, my, my family has a very large Christmas Eve party. If you propose to me on Christmas Eve, I will say no. <laughs> <laughs> it, all of these stories make me sound really cold, but I promise I'm a really nice, warm, loving person. <laughs> we know. We know you are. Don't worry. And in a well, second, we're going to talk about your competitive more, side, but we'll it, get there. But it, uh, it corroborates her kind, loving. Like, she didn't want to be the focus of attention on Christmas Eve. That wasn't how she envisioned getting engaged going down. So, you know, I again, I'm a good listener. I, I was like, all right, not Christmas Eve, then... You know, eight hours after Christmas Eve, we'll do it Christmas morning. Yeah. It's just fine. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, that I think is a very sweet story. And now, Aisha, listen, we know that you're the kindest, most loving. We are all very much in love with you. Um, but I do want to talk about this competitive side that I'm interested in, because when you were on the show before, you were talking about how you had a party coming up, and was it like laser tag or axe throwing? It was something. Oh, it was um, archery dodgeball. Archery dodgeball, <laughs> right. That was my next guess. The party was like three days away, and you were like, yeah, I'm going to win. Emma had to have a conversation with me not to be competitive. So we need to follow up on that. And then, Will, I'm curious from you when you first saw this competitive side of Aisha come out. Um, okay, let me just say I was not cool at archery dodgeball. I got there and it, all the rules were out of the window of me staying calm. Um, to illustrate, Emma had told me to be calm. She was yelling at someone on my team from her team and I pulled back my bow and hit her in the face oh with my God. A, <laughs> an arrow to get her out and uh yeah i played totally in cold blood i won one of the games it was awesome uh and i don't regret any of it we had so much fun (laughs) (laughs) um so will did you know that the day that you met when it was love at first sight did you say that's my future wife the woman who will shoot another woman in the face during archery dodgeball absolutely i mean the lear family is one of the most competitive. I mean, like we've had a family game of boot hockey on Christmas morning for years and years and years. And inevitably every year someone gets injured because they're just, I mean, like playing too hard or they took a slap shot to the face or, you know, sorry, you got in the way. That's not my fault. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, Aisha's competitiveness, it, it definitely, I first saw it in her running and then there's a lot of people though who are very competitive runners and then like they sort of reserve that space for their competitiveness and it was probably that summer over like a game of cards or in charades or something where she also lost her cool and just goes full competitive mode where I was like cool like definitely found an equal that gets like so jazzed up for games that they will get upset for days on end if it doesn't go their way or if someone doesn't play according to the rules or people don't show up with the same enthusiasm as they show up with, which is hardly ever. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're fun but difficult people to play with because we definitely – there's no such thing as like a, a chilled out game no. for us. That's it's, a waste of time. Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> this is an all, we're an all or nothing type of family. So do the two of you ever play games at home, just like a casual game of Yahtzee? Oh, God, no. We, for a while, could... We played Sequence for a while together, um, but we had a ledger. Like, we have... We kept track of the score for months. um, And we've since retired that, but... Yeah. But that was also the only way that you could, like, walk away from it, is like, okay... This this is the overall score. I can like claw back at that tomorrow or later today. So it made every game slightly less important, um, which was a good strategy on our part. 
I love you guys so much, and I'm also simultaneously so afraid of you right now, and it's a very exciting feeling to have. Um, I want to go back because you mentioned that you you were going to Oregon, so back when you, you were abroad when you met, you were headed to Oregon. We know now that you're in Colorado, and Aisha, I know we talked about this on your um, when you were on the episode previously, the reason for the move, but... One thing that I noticed in the piece that you um, you were in women's running, Aaron Strout wrote a great piece about you, which I loved. And you talked about, you said that you guys were looking for more of a community. You wanted friends and you were honest about that, which I love. Were either of you hesitant to make this move? I'm curious in the process of, was it just like you were both feeling the same way or one of you was like, hey, like I'm just not feeling the vibe here. You kind of, how, how does that happen? Was, was it one of you wanted to move, both of you? What'd that look like for your relationship? Um, I think it's, it's safe to say that both of us wanted to move, um, where we wanted to go was up in the air. Um, it became very clear to me in 2016 that Aisha was on the precipice of something great with her running career. Um, anyone that had followed her for any amount of time could sort of see these like these pretty gargantuan jumps not only in the times that she was running but in like in the way she was approaching races and her mentality towards racing towards the sport um and i remember that summer aisha and i having a very difficult but serious conversation about like you know what what does she want the rest of her running life to look like um and inevitably it called for a change and so we had the crazy thing of running for us is like you know you can pretty much do it anywhere in the world and after a lot of hemming and hawing she came out here and visited with emma and joe and was like listen i want to i think this is it um but i'm only gonna go if you say let's go anyone that knows anything about boulder it's you probably one of the few places in the world that you just hear good things about. Um, and I'd never been, I'd never really even been to Colorado. I'd been to Colorado Springs for a soccer tournament when I was in high school, but I'd never been up to Boulder at all. And we took a trip out here together. I think we flew in on the 7th of January or something Mm -hmm. like that. We had tickets from Minnesota or LA or somewhere to here And then we had a ticket from here to Oregon to go pick up our stuff because the assumption was that we were going to love it. And this is one of the, I'm a pretty critical person. I'm I'm not one that like jump and jumps into something like I'm going to love this. It's going to be great. But I think that, and Aisha knowing that about me was very nervous about me coming here. Like, Oh, he's just going to pick this apart. He's going to look for everything that was negative. But I think the enthusiasm with which she, left Boulder in her first visit, I changed my approach and was like, I'm expecting to love it. And I'm just going to look for all the things that I enjoy. Um, and we sort of got off the plane and that night there was about 10 inches of snow or something like that. And I remember shoveling the track (laughs) with Joe like 24 hours later because Emma had a workout and watching Emma do like an 800 meter time trial in a shoveled lane one of a track when she ended up in a sports bra because it was 50 degrees. I was like, this is a pretty unique place. And the dynamic between the three of them was undeniable. Um, and so, this, I mean, it was a pretty easy decision to make, if I'm being honest. And do you want to talk about the community stuff? Yeah. Since we moved, we wanted a community. And I would say that our greatest accomplishment as a couple is that we've made other couple friends. And I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but I think making friends as an adult is something that's really hard to do. Um, It's almost like dating in a sense of like, we are meeting people that we don't know. They're not necessarily from the running community. We, as athletes, you are on a high school team, you go to college, you have built-in friends because you're on a college team. Then you graduate from college and you you go to a professional team and you have built-in friends as a professional team. And here we are moving to a city that we, neither of us have uh, any connection to. 
um, and we need to go forth and make friends together. And I think it was just sort of special to have that experience together of we are both new and we could sort of bond with each other more and then reach out and and make friends. And our first uh, our first couple friend that we made are actually our neighbors and uh, her name is Liza and she saw us coming back from our run and said, hey, are you guys professional runners? And we said, well, uh, yeah, actually, why do you say that? And she's like, well, your outfits, they just match so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, then, you know, our first couple friend was born uh, and it's just been so nice and refreshing to kind of feel um, rooted in a place and and have friends. And it was difficult in Eugene because we're only we were only there on a good year, five months of the year. And what do I offer someone to be your friend sometimes? You have no idea when I'm going to be in town, when I'm not going to be in town, where I'm going when I'm going to be back. Uh, so being in Boulder has been a little bit more sustainable in that sense. So I want to talk a little bit more about the the dynamic, because again, I know I keep referencing the previous episode, but it's because it was pretty recent that Aisha, you were telling stories about how Joe had to run with you, and Will, <laughs> you would run with Emma. So Let's talk about that a little bit about life actually on the run with you two and what it looks like and why why were we splitting up there? Why were we swapping <laughs> on the run? Do you want to take that one, Willie? <laughs> <laughs> if you could see his face. Oh gosh. <laughs> is it smiling? Now it is. <laughs> it's a, it's a combination of a smile and a grimace. Um if I'm being perfectly honest, like Joe and I don't get it. Like we don't understand why we don't change who we are, but like the, that person's spouse, like Joe, Joe's wife, Emma is totally fine with me being myself on a run. She's not annoyed with me. <laughs> she, she feels like she can speak up and like kind of tell me anything. Like if I'm being stupid or whatever. And, uh, Aish, the same with Joe, but like if if you flip the script, it's like we the guys are just getting yelled at, and then we don't understand why. It's like it's like if you were like dual parenting a dog, and like one person let the dog sleep in bed and the other person didn't, and then the dog jumps in the bed and he's like, well, but this was cool yesterday. Why yeah, is it not cool today? That happened today. It happened today, because I'm cool with the dog sleeping in bed. <laughs> um, I think it. I mean, it really boils down to like when we're out running, we're pretty particular about how we like things to go. And also like it is our time away from each other. There are times in which we go for a run and we spend it together, but it ends like by choice. It's a very leisurely run. But anything that has annoyed you about that person <laughs> will just find a way to surface, I have found. And so I find that I, you know, I learned that I've been very annoying if Aisha and I ever go on a run because she tells me about it. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? <laughs> it's really, I think, difficult to have a hard effort and have your spouse being there helping drive the bus because, number one, and maybe this is just a me thing, but I feel like I am protective of my sort of like toughness image to Joe, but I'm not as protective of that with Will. So if I'm hurting, I will let Will know and anything he does will just annoy me. If he's a, a Will's a two-stepper, I swear, even though he doesn't think he is, he's always one step ahead of me. And that will drive me crazy. And I will tell him this, like, you're going too fast. This is too hard. But if I'm running with Joe, I would never admit that I am, that I'm hurting and that I hate this and don't be one step in front of me because I like, we don't have that relationship. I have to like keep my cool, uh, with Joe. But if it's Will, he knows, he knows that like I'm in the hurt box and that, Honestly, if I am rude to him, I know that he'll, 
he'll be fine. And then, like, I'll say sorry later. And that's just you. I don't know. It's like you just can treat your spouse. You can tell him exactly how you feel. Do you, does that make sense? Nope. Absolutely. More sense nope. than I ever. It does nope. to me. Doesn't I'm make, like, doesn't yes. make any sense to me at all. I don't get it. This is, you know, we're not unique to this. And also like track husbands of the world. We have a, a social group together. We meet every diamond league meet in the back room, the dark rooms and share stories. Um, and it's, it's, it's universal. This is a universal thing. If, if Aisha and Emma did their easy runs at seven minute pace, let's call it every day. If I run 659 pace, I am the worst person in the world. But if I run seven minute pace and they want to run 701, I am also the worst person in the world. It doesn't matter because no matter what I do, I can't do it right. Only in the run sphere. I'm like, this doesn't this doesn't apply to anything else in the world. It's just in running, and it's like it's the one thing. It's very it's strange. The one thing. I don't get it. I'm really interested to hear other people talk about this because I know that we've talked about this with uh, Kurt and Molly before. They have the same thing of like Molly can't stand it. No, they don't. They can't even do easy runs together. <laughs> It's I mean, amazing. I get it. And I'm I'm not a professional runner, but I get it. And I'm, you know, unsurprisingly, I think I'm I'm team Aisha, team Emma, team Molly in this scenario. I'm <laughs> yeah. so sorry, I, Will. Yes. What, I would, what I would, I mean, I would suppose that it more has something to do with in every aspect of our lives other than running and like maybe heavy lifting, like heavy, heavy lifting we're effectively on a very even playing field. But when it comes to running, even Kurt, he's been away from the professional running world for a very long time. Like he's a very good athlete and there's just an ability thing that probably is super annoying because you can see somewhere that like, without a doubt, I am better than you. That, and that makes me so mad. Exactly. Yeah, so that's that's yeah. what I think. That's like the yeah. root of it is like I can't. Joe hasn't Joe you. hasn't gone on an easy run in a year and a half. But if he had to, and he has we've seen the repercussions of this choice, he, Emma will have like a ten mile moderate paced run and Joe will be able to go out there and do it with her. And he will kill him to do it. But he can do it. He can go run six minute pace or ten miles because he just has that ability. And it's frustrating. I can't imagine because I don't think that there's a parallel. Yeah. That's like there isn't that's something insightful. that from Aisha's professor that she's just like so – I mean there's cooking obviously. But that like innately she's just better than me. Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to marinate on that tonight. That's exactly right. Yeah. Ooh, I like this. I like where this is going. But I'm also, I mean, I think it's interesting, too, because I feel like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it's like you want that. You want that person that can pace you and be side by side with you or a step ahead. I feel like that's a cool thing to have. And it's even like, you know, we call them speed goggles at first. <laughs> and then, but it's a real thing, right? Like that's an attractive quality, right? Totally. But then, you know, would you... If Will one day was like, you know, I can't keep up with you, Aish. Like, you're on your own. I can't run your easy runs with you. Bye. Would you be kind of like, well, that sucks? Or are you like, haha, I win? I'd probably think that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So keep keeping up, Will. Just be exactly where she wants you at the exact <laughs> pace that she wants, not a second faster or slower. Uh, Thank you, Allie. Oh, Allie, <laughs> if you only knew, man, my... You're strife. I'm so good at I'm so good at pacing, and when I get a, when someone nitpicks me a little bit with these women, they say, "Oh, you were a little fast." <laughs> so that's that's you know this this fake hamstring injury that all of a sudden just came up. Well, my my services here are no longer needed. <laughs> you could take this. Where's Aisha's little knee scooter? Take it back and just yeah, start scooting around. Say I'm yeah. done. Yeah. We'll put an ornament on it. Whatever you want. Yeah. Exactly. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you all about our sponsor, Generation You Can. Whether you're on a quest to qualify for the Olympics or you're just getting back on the run after taking some time off, you cannot train or race without fueling your body properly. 
And that goes beyond what you eat before and after your run. What you put in your body during the run counts too. And a few sips of water isn't always going to cut it. If you're going to be out there for a while, you absolutely must give your body what it needs to keep moving forward without having big, wild energy spikes and then those crazy, scary crashes. Enter Generation You Can, which is loved and used by the best in the world. For example, four-time Olympian, Meb Kaflesky. He swears by You Can and was actually one of the brand's first ever athletes. Here's what Meb has to say about Generation You Can. I've been using UCAN since 2009, he says, and it's been a game changer for me in terms of energy and recovery. UCAN is the first thing that goes into my system immediately after a hard workout. I don't feel the soreness or aches and pains after a long run, and I still have energy two or three hours later. And when he's on the go and doing all those public appearances we know and love him for, Meb says he chows down on UCAN's bars to curb his cravings for sweets. I mean, if it's good enough for Meb, it's gotta be good, right? So give UCAN a try. Go to generationucan.com and use code on the run to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. If you're new to UCAN, check out the You Can Run Starter Pack. Go to generationucan.com slash on the run 50 for 50% off starter packs and free shipping. That's generationucan.com slash on the run 50. All right, let's get back to the leers. Um, okay, so I'm curious too, as we're, you know, obviously 2020, for example, this is a big year. It's an Olympic year. We're very excited. I'm curious about how you two go about your goal setting process for the year and what does it look like? Is it, hey, this is what I think I want to do. Now let's talk to each other. Do we talk to the coach first? Who, uh, who is kind of the main person that you're consulting in these decisions and where does your relationship fit into that? It's a good question. I think for me, I I don't know. I I have something in the back of my mind, um, and I run it by Joe, and I run it by Will separately, and then it kind of takes shape of what of what I think. Um, but I think, especially this year. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit more open and fluid with what the year is going to look like. So I've just been bouncing ideas um, a lot off of both of them. I think it's uh, our relationship is like I'm sure you'll find with a lot of other runner couples is I know that Will knows exactly what I'm saying and exactly what I mean and what I'm going through. So it makes it easy to have these discussions of, hey, I would like to make the Olympic final in 1500. And he knows the gravity of that. Like he knows how difficult that is and how um, big of a goal that is. And then what I need to do to be there. So, well, let me jump at the, I think I know. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But I also have to be very careful where I voice my opinions because the reality of my role in this is I, her coach is her coach. I'm not her coach. I am here for moral and emotional support and to also, when it's required, be, help her be honest. Yeah. And that's maybe one of the most difficult parts of the running couple relationship because, you know, she can, she could say, I want to win the Olympics in the 1500. And like for someone that doesn't have a running background or even, you know, family members of someone that, you know, parents, they've watched their kid, they think their kid is the best in the world. They say, yeah, 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 you should do that. That's going to be great. It's sort of, I view it as my role is to say, like, let's make the final first. And then once we make that final, let's worry about winning gold. Or like, let's get a couple races under our belt before we start talking about completely setting the world on fire. Because also, I think it's from my experience, and this is the only it's the only thing I can actually speak of. Goal setting can be very powerful, 
it can also be the single biggest detriment to one's running. If they set goals that are too lofty from the outset or don't leave any room for flexibility within that goal, it can drive them to do too much. And you don't want to also see on the flip side of that coin, someone have a goal that's just like, oh, I'm just, I want to be in the starting line at the Olympics or I want to be, I want to have a healthy season. It's like, well, then maybe you're not going to push the envelope to the point that you need to, to achieve those incredibly high levels of success. It's, it's difficult. It's a difficult balancing act because I, I know if Aisha, I have to evaluate every question that's asked about running. I have to evaluate on, is this a time for me to be totally frank? What does Aisha need to hear right now? Because that's part of the, the that's an emotional coaching thing, right? Is, uh, Someone asks a question because they want to hear a certain answer because for any given period of time during the year, that answer is going to be different. And <laughs> from a husband's side, is this worth a big fight right now? <laughs> because sometimes the answer is not what she wants to hear, but it is. But I feel like it's the time to have that conversation. And you have to really it's – a, it's, a, it's a balancing act. But I think that's, that's no different – then like a lot of things in what I've, I'm, I don't know, again, my only view is of a successful relationship is like, do I want to give you the cold, hard, honest truth? Do I want to give you some loved down truth? Or it's the day before the Olympic final. Yeah. You're the best in the world. Yeah. You're going to win. <laughs> you know, like whether I believe it or not, that's what she needs to hear. Yeah. Um, and I think something that's interesting about, what we're going through is that what we the two of us need as athletes is really different um we i would describe our relationship as pretty yin and yang um as will sort of alluded to earlier he um is more of a skeptic asks a lot of questions and i'm more of a believer and like both of those things have or both of those ways of being have huge benefits and also downfalls. So when mm-hmm. when talking about running, it's where we have to be the most delicate with each other. Um, and because something that might sound right in Will's head for him sounds so wrong for me and vice versa. Um so we really, it, it's been difficult for sure. We've had um, really difficult times mm-hmm. sort of working out what that means for both of us. Like for instance, going to a race, mm-hmm. I uh, get super introverted and I don't really want to um, go out to meals with a bunch of people. I don't really want to go run with a bunch of people. I just want to be sort of in my little unit and I want to watch Netflix and I want to sort of be with my team and that's it. And what feeds Will is the social aspect of like all of these guys that he's been racing for 10, 12 years and getting to see them. And that really builds him up and makes him feel happy and confident going to the starting line. So um, even just in the, within the framework of the two of us going to a race together, it probably took us seven years to figure out how that looks for us. And that means that like, we're not going to be together for 24 hours a day um, leading into something or, you know, going into a race, the way that we talk to each other about each other's running is totally different. And um, I think that's, it's made us both know each other better and it's made us argue a ton, um, but coming out of the other side of it is uh, a greater understanding, I think, of what makes the other person tick. And I think that that totally translates into our normal lives beyond running is we really do know what makes that person operate at their highest level when something really important is on the line so that now we know how to uh, talk to each other when it comes to taking out the garbage or who's making dinner. It's like we've had to go through the really difficult high-level uh, moments and then everything else is super easy. 
Man, for a couple that jokes about not communicating well when you're not together, sounds like you do a damn good job of it when you're uh, when you are together and you've uh, really figured things out pretty well. Well, I think that part of it is for me. I'm, I've always been a better in-person communicator because I can read the physical signals that are being sent by someone pretty well. I'm terrible over a text message. I just read everything as though someone's very angry at me. <laughs> Good morning! <laughs> How did you sleep last night? Um, but, it, you know, it's like, I, I think that we just save, if we can, we save these Im- the important communications for when there nothing is going to be lost in translation. You're not communicating through a medium wherein you can be misconstrued easily or something like that. And so we also like, we're very weird when we're together, we're together like 22 of 24 hours a day. And so when we're apart, it's almost like breath, fresh air. Yeah. (laughs) We probably have like the same amount of like FaceTime hours as a normal couple. But it's just we're either intensely together or we're intensely apart. But it all shakes out. Like the math works out to be like if we both had nine to five jobs. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I still think on the average we probably far surpass the normal because even those nine to five jobbers, they have friends that they go like to hang out with. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Will, I know you were in Minnesota. You were back there for the inaugural Brave Like Gabe workout, which sounded... It sounded as intense as it was very inspiring to witness from afar. I'm curious, The I would love if we can to talk a little bit about your relationship with Justin and Gabe and her passing last year. I know it's had uh, just such a profound impact on all of us in the running community, whether we had a close relationship with with her and her family or we we're just watching from afar. And I would love to hear if you're willing to share a little bit about how that might have affected your relationship and if Gabe's passing has changed the way that you're living your life now. Do you want to take it? Yeah. Um, without a doubt. I mean, any time that you have someone who is gone way before they should be, it it's a cause for reflection. And ultimately, the really unfortunate thing is, is that that wasn't the first for us in the last couple of years. Um, when David Torrance passed so abruptly, immediately, shockingly to us, that was maybe something that caused more of a sense of like reflection um, on who we are, how we live our lives, who we choose to spend our, who, with whom and how we choose to spend our time um, and resources. And then with Gabe's passing, which was, you know, a story of heroic overcoming the odds and having gone through um, being with my father when he was battling cancer, it was, it hit really, really hard for our entire family. Um, Gabe and I have been close because we're both Minnesotans and we've both sort of had like these up and down, you know, hot spurts, cold spurts in running. Um, but we've always had like, I sort of saw a lot of myself in Gabriel and I think vice versa. Like we raced very frantically. Um, sometimes it worked out for us. Sometimes it didn't. And, always sort of like these people who were knocking on the door of that next level of success. Um, and so we had, Gabe and I had a lot to commiserate about together. Uh, we shared a lot of post-race drinks at a variety of different locations around the world. Um, and Justin and I sort of in the past 18 months have like really forged a friendship. Um, in the past, you know, I sort of see Justin because he was in school and then was like a practicing doctor. He just, he's always busy. Um, 
and that's been a really incredibly rewarding friendship to build um, out of something that's, you know, obviously so tragic and sad. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I knew Gabe through you and your relationship was really special because I think that you had you two had a lot um, you're very like kindred souls in a sense of just your tenacity and the way that you approach friendship and your interests off the track. It was just you two really were on the same wavelength there and um, sort of as being your partner, seeing losing two very, very special relationships, I have seen uh, a change really in myself, but really more so in in you. And I think that what I've noticed um, just as a spouse is your willingness to say yes to more things. And I think it also has to do with, um, you know, getting older and thinking about your priorities, but, um, you know, you are really super present when you're with friends and you say yes to friends. And I think it's horrible and tragic, uh, why we've gotten to this point, but I think, um, deciding to spend our energy being with people that we love and, and adore and, um, cherishing those times together. It's been a little bit of a shift in like the paradigm of our yearly calendar of, okay, track is super important. Training is super important, but also, um, making time for loved ones is, is a huge priority now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing in disguise seeing your husband lose two of his best friends in the sport is, it's, really gut-wrenching um but it seems like so much good is coming um from the other side of everything going on with brave like gabe and all of the i'm wearing a running on hope sweatshirt right now <laughs> yeah uh you know all of the outpouring of support from the running community and just sort of the community at large of uh these are important you know rare cancers are um you know, scary and shocking, but we can uh, make an impact by helping fund research and um, coming together. I think it's been uh, something that's really beautiful. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm 34, knocking on the door of 35. I'm not going to be a professional runner forever as much as I would like to. Um, and ultimately, I think over the last 12 months, there's been these causes for reflection, like what, what do I want to do with this very minimal power that I have? Um, I seem to have an ability to communicate with large numbers of people quite easily through social media. And so what do I want that impact to be? Do I want to sell some product or would I like to raise some money for a charity and do something that helps a lot of people? Well, that over the holidays especially it was like well this is a really easy decision because we'd been doing this thing that didn't really have a social impact side for the past four or five years in minnesota and sort of one day aisha and i were just talking and it was like well why don't we try and raise some money let's try and make this a little bit more formal and not last minute let's put a little bit of time and energy into making some phone calls getting a hold of some email lists for local running clubs and trying to organize an event that hopefully, I mean, everyone that was there loved it. Yeah, it was super fun. It was super fun. And it was a god-awful Minnesota winter oh, yeah. day. It was freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, we rejoiced around that because this life isn't easy and the most rewarding things never are. And But together we were... You know, we were a strong community and seeing the impact that it had for Justin was 
was awesome. Um, and yeah, so the holidays are really tough for people that are grieving. And I think that was a, uh, a sunny moment for him, which makes it that much more rewarding. Yeah, it was great. And I think that for both of us, you know, that's whether it's with brave, like Gabe or with other things, it's like, that's sort of how we are trying to have our legacy in the sport be as, as people that tried to do good and be good and, and, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. You two are amazing. Will you adopt me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But truly, I mean, I, I, yeah, just everything you said is just really beautiful. And you're right. It's, it's horrible when these things happen and we lose people too soon or when we lose people that we've had around for a while, either way, it's, you know, it's so hard either way, but it's really beautiful to see what's come of, of brave, like brave, like Gabe and people just, doing things to come together and celebrate these lives. So I think that's a beautiful place to wrap this up, but I'm not letting you go yet. We're doing our sprint to the finish round, which, well, this is like as close to hazing as it gets. These are our (laughs) rapid fire questions. It's really not so bad, but, you know, we're looking for the quick, speedy answers here. So we're just putting you on the spot. Which one of you is more competitive? Me. Aisha. We agree. I love that. (laughs) Aisha, what is the last thing that you got mad at Will for? Um, I came home and we didn't have any breakfast food at the house. Ooh, and breakfast, that's like your thing. (laughs) I feel like you were very vocal about how breakfast is your thing, Will. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. I'm not going to lie. Yesterday was Super Bowl and I dropped the ball. (laughs) Nice. Will, what was the last thing you got mad at Aisha for? Well, United Airlines has taken a large sum of money from us for something that they shouldn't have. And this was in July. And this is Aisha's job to get this money back. And she refuses to make the hard phone call. It's a really crappy phone call to make. I don't blame her. It's a terrible phone. No, it's a terrible phone call. Um, But, you know, if anyone from United Airlines hears this, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. (laughs) We're coming for you eventually. Eventually, when she decides to make the call, but only when she decides. All right. Other than not picking up the phone for that call, Aisha, what is something you do that drives Will crazy? I leave the cupboard doors open. Oh, come on. I know. Will, what do you do that drives her crazy? I end sentences periodically with a very patronizing okay. (laughs) That gets me. (laughs) All right, Aisha. You and Will are both tired, but you're also very hungry. You ask him what he wants for dinner, and he says, I don't care. You choose. But you know he cares a little. What do you either cook or order that you know he'll like? Because he's, Um, like, hangry, and you don't want to deal with that. uh, A curry. Real quick. Do you think that's a good answer? Really, I think you'd rather me get, like, a DiGiorno pizza, but I'm not going to do that. You could do both. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Will, same question. You're tired. You're hungry. Aisha's cranky. She says she doesn't care. You know that's a lie. What do you get? I put her in the car and drive her to Shea Tui, which is our local Vietnamese restaurant in Boulder. And she gets either a pod thai with extra vegetables or potentially a meatball pho. True. Love that. Aisha, what is a simple thing that makes Will happy? Oh, general kindness. <laughs> a nice, me talking to him in a nice tone. <laughs> and candy. It's candy. Will, what is a simple thing that makes Aisha happy? Avocado toast. <laughs> <laughs> How would you each describe your relationship in one word? Loving. Competitive. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any secret pet names or nicknames for each other? Everybody I call Will Willie. And anybody who knew him from like before he went to college, everyone calls him Willie. And everybody who didn't calls him Will. So he's definitely Willie all the time. Like free Willie. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, that was a very... sidebar not to interrupt <laughs> the, the rapid fire kick to the finish sprint to the finish questions 
my high school coach at one point in time decided that he would rather me be called Will. <laughs> and so in all of my track results, it was Will Lear. And so when I went on these college visits, the coaches would always refer to me as Will and the team would refer to me as Will. And I didn't have the confidence at that time to correct them. and like, no, 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 it's oh. Willie. And so I sort of went with this for an all too long of a period of time until my parents and brother were at one of my cross country races when I was in college and called me Willie. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> Who is this? And then I had to explain to them what happened. They're like, oh, well, you're definitely Willie now. Like, that's just, that's the end of it. Yeah. All right. Willie, what was your first AOL or AIM screen name? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> stop pre 415. Classic. I love it. No, my God. I just lied to you. What? It wasn't. My first was. Why would you lie to me? Because I forgot what my first one was. Oh. Uh, my first one was by 2. What does that mean? I bought a pair of Adidas <laughs> earlier that day and then signed up for AOL. And Addy by 1 was already taken. <laughs> Aisha, what was your first AOL or AIM screen name? This is, I'm sweating because this is the most embarrassing thing. Mine was, and I have to say it this way, was a B-girl. <laughs> Like the Budweiser commercials of like those toads that <laughs> was popular. Was that? That's so embarrassing. So I was was Uppy Girl. Not Amazing. good. Are you guys <laughs> even Z's? more in love with each other right now? <laughs> how many, many Z's? Embarrassed. How many Z's? It was, they were S's because oh. I felt like that was more true to the brand. I don't okay. know. <sighs> Brutal. Willie, if you could take a class in anything, what would it be? A class in anything? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, that's a really good question. I have a lot of um, community classes that are on the back burner right now. Like classic, Rapid fire. Classic, classic guitar. Oh, classic guitar. Nice. I think it'd be fun. Love that. Aisha, what would you take a class in? Pottery. Ooh, fun. I'm picturing yeah. ghost. This could be like... Oh, yeah. I love it. Really fun for you guys. Yeah. Okay. I need three things that you love about each other. So, Willie, I feel weird calling you that, but I'm going to yeah. go with it because yeah. you have the confidence to tell people that they have You're to call you that now. You're in the inner circle. You're in the inner circle. Ooh. All right, Willie, three things you love about Aisha. Uh, I love her laugh and her smile. Those would be kind of like classified as the same one. Uh, and maybe also that she laughs at all my really stupid jokes. I like that pretty much every single night we could watch one of this two movies that we both <laughs> just really enjoy and uh three i really enjoy that she spends so much time and energy uplifting those around her and she's probably like the least selfless person i know oh that's so nice i love that you managed to sneak in like nine reasons <laughs> that was adorable but wait we need what are the two movies uh, I love you, man, and Forgetting Sir Marshall. They're kind of the same movie. It's the same yeah. cast of characters, but just slightly different. And like, they're the, the best. They're they're lullabies to us at this point. If I'm not when Aisha and I are apart, if like I have trouble falling asleep or something like that, I will put one of these movies on and put it where she would be in bed, and I will be out like before the credit <laughs> the opening credits are done. It's good. Well, now I don't know if I want to call you Willie or Jobin. I kind of want to call you Jobin now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Aisha, three things you love about Will. Um, his eyes, his willingness to help others, and his intellect. Love those. All right. I never want this to end, but the last thing I need from each of you is to give everyone listening a reason to run today. I have run probably three, no, goodness, 15,000 miles in my life. And I've never once regretted going for a run. It has always made me feel better. And if that's not a reason, I don't know what it is. And you should run for me because it's super snowy in Boulder and I don't like running in the snow. So if you're in a better place than me, you better do it. Um, or Willie, Jobin, you could go shovel a 10 mile track for her. With your little yeah. shovel that you brought to the track, why don't you just get out there and, you know, 
You can do if it. On, if, if only there was a community service that provided this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Boulder Parks and Recreation. <laughs> you two are amazing. I've loved this conversation. I love getting to know each of you better. And I so appreciate you coming on and sharing so much with all of us today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Allie. Thank you so much for being here to kick off Love on the Run Week on the Alley on the Run show. I hope you were as charmed and delighted by Will and Aisha as I was, as I am, as I probably will be forever. We've got four more episodes this week, so come back tomorrow to hear from Des and Ryan Linden. Before I let you go, let's give a big thank you to Generation You Can for making this series possible. Go to generationyoucan.com and use code ONTHERUN for 20% off your order and free shipping. If you're trying You Can for the first time, go directly to generationyoucan.com slash ONTHERUN50. You'll save 50% and get free shipping on the You Can Run Starter Pack. It's a great way to try out the UCAM products and figure out what you like best. Now, give love, share love, spread the love, and thanks for joining me on the run.